Hello and welcome to the Qubit Guy podcast, brought to you by Classic, the company that's taking quantum software to a higher level. My name is Yuval, and my guest today is Thierry Botel, Executive Director of Quick, a European quantum consortium that has been growing very rapidly since its formation. Thierry explains what makes the consortium special and shares what he learned in recent months. We discussed how an economic downturn could impact the quantum ecosystem, his World Economic Forum activities, and much more. We hope you enjoyed this episode. Please let us know how we did by emailing hello at classic.io. That's hello at classic.io. Hello, Thierry, and thanks for joining me today. Hi, Yuval. Great to be here. So who are you and what do you do? Uh, so, Thierry Botter, I am Executive Director of the European Quantum Industry Consortium. Flows right off the tongue. Quick for short, to make it simple. Um, Quick is an association that was designed, brought together by industry for industry. And my role, my responsibility is to be the executive director of the organization. Uh, the association was founded last year, 2021, uh, by a handful of different European companies. And we've si since expanded quite a bit. Uh, we are today 160 different members predominantly SMEs, as well as large companies from across Europe. Uh, so that includes the European Union, neighboring countries such as uh, Norway, the United Kingdom, Switzerland, Israel as well. Uh, and the goal of this association is to strengthen the development uh, and the growth of European companies involved, engaged in the quantum space, to prepare the sector as a whole, to help it grow and become a durable sector, uh, and ultimately to see wealth creation in Europe in the quantum. 160 members in a year, that's very impressive. Uh, I think there are other industry associations in Europe. How is Quick unique relative to the others? I think Quick, because of the mission that we serve to really cater and develop that quantum space, we stand out. Uh, so it's really thanks to the sector perhaps more so than the association itself. The sector is young, but very dynamic. Our members are day-to-day -day competing for this uh, growing appetite uh, towards quantum technologies in the plural sense of the term. And we'll have the chance to maybe dive into this a little bit more. Computers, communication, sensing, metrology devices, and the many enabling technologies underneath. Um, so, we're sort of expanding quickly because there's such an interest in the field. There's such a growth as well of the number of companies involved in getting engaged. Uh, and Quick is acting as a catalyst for that development in Europe. And by virtue of that mission, I think we, we were able to quickly grow. And I think we're starting to really provide meaningful contributions to, to our members and to the growth of the European quantum sector as a whole. I can imagine that an organization like that would have academic members. Uh, who are interested in research. It might have companies whose core business is quantum, maybe computing or sensing or communications. It may have companies who, larger companies who are starting to work on uh, quantum. And it may have large companies who are curious, haven't done anything yet, but just want to learn. Is there a predominant group amongst the four in the organization? Very good question. Yeah, so... Our core, the say plurality of our members, 
fall into that middle category, category, the SMEs who are developing various forms of quantum technologies or the enabling technologies that sit behind them. Um, they constitute about 60%, three-fifths of our members. Uh, and they are the handshake, so to speak, between the two extremities. On the one hand, the large companies, the large groups, some of whom are looking to integrate quantum technologies already uh, in their product portfolio or in their own internal operations. Others there to learn and to understand how these uh, new technologies, new capabilities might impact their business, their sector. And on the other side, at the very creative, uh, forward-looking end of the spectrum are the researchers, the academics, the various research groups that are preparing the technologies of tomorrow that these SMEs and perhaps new ones to come will take up and use as their own um, sort of workhorse and their own core portfolio. Uh, and so we, we have this widespread, that core middle ground, the SMEs being the main group, uh, but with about 20% at each end with, on the one side, this research core, and on the other end, the uh, end users, large enterprises present. Where did the governments come in? Um, in Europe, there are many governments, right? There's the EU government, there are uh, member governments, uh, maybe even local governments. How does QUIC play with local governments or with governments in general? Uh, what are you looking to do and what were you able to achieve? Mm. In Europe, there's been a very strong support, public support, for the development of quantum technologies. And that has happened at the on the individual country level as well as the European Union level. Um, it's served as a big catalyst for the development of the sector. And what we've tried at Quick is to give these policymakers, these public stakeholders, a perspective, a common perspective coming from industry. What does industry as a whole see as key uh, key involvement, key additions where government could step in and really support the growth. Um, it's required, on the one hand, bringing companies to work together and think together about what it is that is needed for the sector. It's not always easy because you have different perspectives. You're going across a multitude of different technologies. So to even come out with a single clear picture is already a challenge in and of itself. And then on the other side, it's been liaising with the different governments articulating to them what is this view of industry, uh, understanding what are some of their requirements, some of their conditions, some of their limitations as well, and ultimately trying to come out with a, a plan that is as harmonized as possible. It's not perfect, of course, uh, but to try and make sure that there's as few duplication, fragmentation, separation, and really that it's there to complement what's happening in the different areas. All this so that ultimately the many different companies that are sort of creating or, or establishing this European quantum endeavor uh, can benefit from this willingness, this desire to support from government and use that as an accelerator to grow. As we record this episode, there is a concern that maybe a recession is coming. The funding climate has changed. Uh, I read not too long ago an article by David Shaw from Fact-Based Insight that said, oh, you know, money is drying up. There's this movement on the SPACs, you know, what do small companies do? What should large companies do? What do governments do? What's your view on the funding situation in Europe and what are you recommending to your members? That's a very good question. It is a difficult time uh, on the macro scale. Uh, and I think that this is uh, bound to have some impact on the quantum sector. Exactly what and what form 
uh, is still to be determined. Uh, I think it's still early days. And for our members, each of them are, I think, mindful of what it means for their own company, their own business as they look ahead. That said, I think that the support that has been pledged so far for quantum technologies has materialized and is continuing to materialize. So I think in the short term, we're very excited about this uh, prospect and many of our members uh, have already uh, capitalized or submitted proposals and been successful with these proposals and capturing some of this public financing. So I think this will stay. Uh, many members have also successfully raised money. How this plays out in the coming months, I think, is still to be determined. Um, everyone is mindful that private capital can, of course, and is, of course, influenced by uh rate settings at, in various jurisdictions and the overall global financial market. Um, what companies, uh, I think, are now planning and anticipating is not so much this year, early next year, but it's beyond that. A funding cycle might last two to three years. How does that look like then at the very end for a worst case scenario, uh, as, as well as sort of a median range scenario? How can we make sure that we build ourselves and get ourselves as far down the line as possible and still on a sound financial footing? This is a challenge. Different companies have different such challenges. Uh, I think the, the message that we tend to share is to be cautious, uh, but at the same time to be present and active because it's being active now in an association like Quick that allows you to connect with the right players and give yourself the best chance possible to get through this period. Um, and we'll have to then wait and see how the situation evolves. It's not only true for quantum, it's, again, the financial sector as a whole. Um, and ultimately, as we look beyond this difficult period that is going to be these next few years, I think the future for quantum technology is extremely bright. There's such a promise from this technology. Um, if there is perhaps a silver lining to find through this difficult time is that some of the hype that we've seen in the sector might be brought down to reality. I think this is something that... Uh, our association has been very keen on, uh, yes, these technologies hold much promise, but there's still lots of development to do. It is a growing sector. There's still much work at hand. And so to be able to sort of uh, break through some of this hype, be able to advocate a more uh, reasonable perspective about the development, trying to pair together the promise that it holds together with still the technological developments um, at hand today, this environment gives us an opportunity to try and do a reset and have an even, uh, I, I would say, better, stronger footing on which to take off when this economic conditions uh, return to, to what we've seen in the past. I would imagine that at Quick you run a good number of events, and I believe that at Classic we participated in some of those. If someone were starting a similar organization in the United States, which type of events would you recommend to focus on? Which have been the most successful from your perspective? I think different companies and different entities can take different looks on it. I'm going to give my own perception from, uh, from really what I've seen at Quick and what I've seen is very powerful. Um, what has been really enriching, not only for myself as executive director, but more importantly for the many members at Quick, has been this opportunity to work together and to discover who's who across the, in this case, European spectrum. Um, I think it's very easy to get comfortable with a set of suppliers, with a set of customers, with a set of known uh, acquaintances. The quantum uh, space sorry, is very large and growing. 
it's difficult even for the best of CEOs and C-level executives uh, to have a, a good side of everyone and everything. So promoting events where you can bring together these people uh, in a common setting to get to know one another, understand who's doing what, and new ideas come out of these gatherings. New uh, partnerships tend to emanate from these. And with such a young sector, what we're bound to see in the coming years are mergers, acquisitions, uh, preparing that in the sense of offering opportunities for companies to get the chance to know each other, know who they are, what they're doing, uh, going beyond, as I said, their immediate circles of either customers, uh, um, service providers, uh, or also uh, competitors. I think that's a very powerful uh, set of activities. And we've seen already very positive echoes from several members of having such an opportunities. Speaking of events, you and I go to events, and I think that's actually when we set up this uh, podcast recording. And often we both speak at events as well on panels and so on. And the risk, of course, is that we say the same things again and again. What do you know today that you didn't know or you would have said completely differently six months ago? What's new in TRA's world? Lots has happened over the last six months, so difficult to point to just uh, one thing, but I'll try and pick one, possibly two, that really stand out for me. Um, one subject that has come ever increasingly to the forefront has been the importance that quantum is being given on an international front. Uh, we all know that today's world is a very geopolitically challenging world. Uh, involving a lot of different technologies and quantum tech increasingly is at the forefront. And what we're noticing as well is uh, talks about potential fragmentation. And of course, this is worrisome for such a young, still growing sector um, that is still uh, looking to establish itself for the long run. Um, so I think on that front, the need to be even more proactive, foster more international discourse, alignment, and ultimately to uh, avoid having uh, too many roadblocks placed too early on a technology that still is growing, still uh, requires or, or needs to fully prove itself uh, on the market. I've said it before, we all see the potential of this technology, but there's still much more development to be done. And it's important that international trade fosters that growth, serves as an enabler and not uh, a break. So I think that has really grown in magnitude over the last six, month, six months. Another one where I myself was better educated or I've been better educated over the last six months and I've come to appreciate um, is standardization. When we think about standardization, we typically, and I would say even naturally, think about more established sectors. Um, but standardization in the sense of being able to help companies that are looking to get engaged for the first time in quantum technologies or that are looking to even understand the minutiae between two different providers of slightly different technologies to be able to grasp what are the important metrics at hand, what should be the key elements to distinguish them. Um, this all comes down to standardization. So when I say standardization here, I don't necessarily mean on physical interfaces and exact form factors, but rather on the characteristics that need to be express when we talk about a quantum object. How do we measure the performance of a quantum computer? What are the right metrics to employ there? 
How do we compare if we're a quantum computing manufacturer, the different components that go into it? What are the key metrics um, for, for those individual components? We might have one idea, but we might also discover over time that there's actually some additional minutia. And of course, when you're working with that standardization, you can, it's difficult to always compare apple to apple. You're often finding yourself comparing apples to oranges. So for that reason, as the sector continues to grow and mature, really understanding those standardization in the spirit of drawing honest benchmarks for companies to be able to make informed decision will, I think, be very important. And of course, doing so in a matter that still respects the plurality of technologies. We're still in a very early stage, taking again the example of quantum computers. There are a multitude of different flavors of quantum computer. That's a strength, that's a, that's a benefit, and it shows the degree of development and research that's happening. But still within each one of these branches, to be able to offer certain comparisons and certain fair metrics across the different groups is something of value and that needs to be really looked at very carefully. And to do this development, one needs developers. And I think that's a common thread in, in many of the events we participate. There's a concern that there's just not enough talent and there need to be even organizations that want to get into quantum are having a hard time finding the right people. What is Quick doing to help solve this problem? The need for staff is, I think, uh, well recognized as an important uh, ingredient, and a lot of projections are, are showing that indeed there's bound to be a shortage. Um, Quick is there to do a few things. One is to understand, pool together the requirements of different companies. No one company can on its own necessarily alter uh, and implement uh, particular training programs or encourage the development of certain types of uh, recognitions of uh, diplomas and whatnot. Um, so I think we're there to try and capture from a collective point of view, what are the needs? And then in a second step to be able to approach, again, the very same public stakeholders that we're already engaged with and orient them uh, on the subject here of education, of professional trainings to support individuals who want to uh, reach and enter into this quantum space to be able to do so. And it's really important to take a moment to recognize that we're not simply speaking here about what most companies to date have uh, hired for the quantum sector, namely uh, holders of PhD degrees in quantum physics or very near uh, subject matters. But more and more, it's about engineers. Uh, it's about scientists with master's degree and even other broader set of skills, communication, HR, and so on, that have some knowledge, some sensibilities. Um, I would even say uh, uh, being versed in the quantum sector without being uh, experts in it. This kind of capabilities, these kinds of uh, skill sets are going to be increasingly important. And there's a need to sort of prepare that. In. And so it's about both uh, approaching the, t the subject for the next generation of, um, of, of employees, as well as the current set of professionals. As we get close to the end of our discussion today, I know you also have a role at the World Economic Forum. Could you explain what the World Economic Forum is doing about quantum and why there's a need to do it at that level and what is your role in that activity? Certainly. 
Yeah, so the World Economic Forum uh, for a few years now has been very keen to understand the, the development of still this young technology, quantum technologies, and has especially taken interest in, in the area of quantum computing. Uh, last year, I had the privilege to be part of a group that uh, developed a governance principle on quantum computing. These principles were published early this year, early 2022. Um, and since then, we've taken another step um, as part of the Global Futures Council um, to develop this time, uh, not simply the governance principle, but a state of play, so to speak, um, in quantum computing. What's happening today? What is the state of the art? Uh, what is the situation worldwide on the subject, companies, uh, industrial developments, research, and so on, to really give decision makers, uh, World Economic Forum permanent members, a clear sense of this new technology and a baseline from which to develop uh, potential policies or potentially propose actions that should be taken on an international level. More work is still to come. My involvement has been from both an industrial and European perspective. Uh, I continue to stay engaged with the group. And quite frankly, I think it's quite exciting to see this development happening and seeing the interest that <laughs> quantum is gaining as a whole. We're still early, but clearly I think there's an appreciation for the impact this is bound to have in everyone's future. One takeaway for me from this conversation is that there is an incredible amount of activity happening in Europe. Um, first, would you agree that that's the case? Uh, Absolutely. How do you compare it to other regions in the world? And maybe as a follow-up to that, uh, whether because of the World Economic Forum or uh, the work that you're doing in Europe, how do you view China in that regard? Hmm. Yeah, so um, first, I think... The, the activities in Europe on the international scale has maybe not always been so evident, so obvious, um, which has been, in my opinion, a pity. And I think it's important to articulate just how dynamic the developments here. Um, not only does Quake have 160 members, if we have this number, it's because there's such a wide pool of new companies, startups of all sorts of flavors there to pioneer and develop this sector. And these many different startups are the products of a very strong academic basis. Um, uh, some studies have showed that uh, up till very recently, and I think it's still true as we speak, uh, Europe is leading in terms of scientific publication in many of the quantum spaces, uh, which I think shows the level of academic capabilities that exists here and ultimately fuels this overall industrial development. So I think there's a lot happening in Europe, perhaps less flashy, uh, than what you might find in other regions of the world. But I certainly would draw people who are curious, people who are entering this space to look at what's happening here uh, across the countries. There's, uh, I wouldn't say a particular country that, that stands out, but rather the collection of them across Europe that are really impressive. Uh, in terms of how this then compares on the global scale, yes, there's much happening in the U.S. I think this has been very uh, well seen in, in many news outlets. There's a lot more report coming from what's happening in the U.S., perhaps helped by the fact that there's some uh, headline names, especially in the quantum computing space, such as Google, IBM, Microsoft, uh, that are perhaps easier for some to um, capture their, their attention. Um, with regards to China, I think uh, this has been a, an area of the world with lots of work, lots of achievement, uh, should not be underestimated as well, uh, perhaps less visible um, in terms of uh, the, the developments, the uh, 
results, perhaps even in terms of new companies that have emanated. However, when you look at the research number of publications and the quality of those publications, uh, you can tell that there's a substantial amount of activity happening there. And so uh, China uh, is poised to also be a very meaningful player in the development of, of quantum technologies. So it's, a, it's an exciting time. There's still much more road ahead, uh, but clearly the subject has a very dynamic group of individuals, very dynamic group of companies. And uh, our future is bound to involve quantum in, in one way or another, even though it might not be transparent to uh, you and me and everyone else on a day-to-day -day basis. I think a lot of what powers the world around us will feature some degree of quantumness in it. So Thierry, first I wanted to apologize for butchering your name. Believe me, it takes one to know one. So if I mispronounce it, it's, it's just because of my inabilities and, and not <laughs> your fault in any way. Uh, but uh, more seriously, how can people get in touch with you to learn more about the work that you're doing? Yeah, thanks for that. Um, so everyone can, uh, or anyone interested, can get a hold of me on LinkedIn. Um, you can easily search for me, Thierry Botter. If you have notes, I'm happy to, to give you that uh, afterwards. And as well through uh, the association, uh, www.euroquickquic.org. Um, you'll find more information about myself, the association, what's happening in Europe. And I certainly encourage your listeners to uh, go take a look. Well, thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you.